Tonight's podcast is hosted on Anchor.fm. We are well aware of the controversy surrounding Spotify, the parent company of Anchor.fm. As such, this episode is a protest of their policies to allow misinformation, racism, and misogyny to exist upon their platform. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode. Welcome to Expanding Your Faith with Bishop Gregory Godsey and Father Matthew Schnabel. Expanding Your Faith looks at modern faith and spirituality questions, as well as conducts interviews with movers and shakers in different and varied faith traditions. Our broadcast is brought to you by the hardworking staff at the Office of Communications and Media Relations in the Old Catholic Churches International. Stay tuned as we work on expanding your faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Expanding Your Faith. We're excited to be back here for Season 3 of our podcast uh, brought to you by Anchor.fm and their parent company, Spotify, which is our whole topic tonight, actually, is the recent controversy that's been uh, dredged up um, by Neil Young and various other artists uh, in their courageous stand against misinformation and misogyny and racism and bigotry on um, Spotify. And so we're going to talk about it tonight uh, because what better thing to do than to use our voice and our platform uh, to speak truth to power. Absolutely. Join me nice Father Matt. Hello. Uh, Luna is not with us tonight. Um, she is off at a college event, so uh, she will hopefully join us again next Saturday uh, for our podcast. But uh, I'm Bishop Greg for those just joining us. Um, and let's go ahead and get started. So this past week, um, or the past couple of weeks, there have been a fight going on between uh, Spotify and um, Neil Young and several other artists who have chosen to pull their catalogs of music uh, off of Spotify in protest of um, Mr. Joe Rogan's um, uh, misogyny, racism, bigotry, and anti-vaxxer stances. Um, the, uh, it came to a head in the past couple of weeks, and, um, it's finally begun to hit Spotify. Spotify's, um, stock portfolio dropped drastically over the last week, as well as their number of subscribers has, um, dropped drastically, uh, almost in half. They have almost half of the subscribers they had. At the start of the past two weeks, it's it's been really a uh, difficult journey for them. Spotify CEO has finally decided that they will put a warning label on any uh, you know podcast or broadcast through Spotify that uh, contains false information about vaccines um, or COVID, 
And uh, they, in the middle of the night, last night, um, they um, uh, yanked 70 of his podcasts off of the air out of the library in order to um, uh, cover uh, their butts over his misogyny and racism. Every episode that they yanked had him saying the N-word at least once during the broadcast in 2022. Um, And Rogan uh, himself is an avowed anti-vaxxer believing that vaccines are uh, killing people, believing that vaccines are chipping, microchipping people, believing that it is all hysteria and that COVID doesn't really exist. And he has put all of this out on his podcast routinely. He interviewed a doctor, a doctor the other day whose license had been suspended for giving um, bad medical advice to his patients. Uh, that led to the death of some of his patients. Um, In the episode, the doctor uh, encouraged people to go out and buy the horse medication ivermectin wherever they could get it, even if they had to go and get it at a a veterinary store, and to take ivermectin, Uh, except that the horse version of ivermectin has been led to serious illness, debilitation, and even death in some people. Um, They are a death cult because their whole goal is to kill as many people as they can. Uh, They don't want people to live. Uh, They are not pro-life by any stretch of the imagination. They are pro-death because they promote policies um, that contribute to people's death. Uh, When you sit and uh, say that people shouldn't mask or get vaccinated, um, knowing that this uh, pandemic is preventable, this virus is preventable through proper medical science, you are a death cult. Uh, In fact, I go a step further and call them outright murderers. So if... Uh, you don't get the vaccine and you're going around people who are um, who are immunocompromised, um, then you are a murderer. You're risking murdering someone for your own selfish gain. So that's how that works. Um, your thoughts, Father Matt? Well, Joe Rogan, um, I can honestly say when I was younger, I watched a lot of Fear Factor and UFC fights and that sort of thing where Joe Rogan was the host. Mm -hmm. But I've known, and he used to be somewhat respectable, except for some of his comedy routines back when he was touring. But now it just seems like since the cult of Trump has taken over and he bought hook, line, and sinker into that, um kind of gone downhill and gone on these tirades that just seem to be just full of hate, bigotry, and nothing but a bunch of hoaxes. Mm -hmm. Um, That wasn't the only junk scientist he's had 
had on his program. Yeah. He's had several talking about various other topics, but the ones particularly about COVID have been um, quite alarming, um, to say the least, especially as someone who's not only a, a priest who values people's lives and um, can honestly say is pro-life um, for every life, not just an unborn clump of cells, but for everybody's life, um, it's quite alarming and disturbing. And as a medical professional, it's alarming and disturbing. Mm -hmm. For to tout somebody who's a supposed medical doctor, even though, as you said, the medical license had been pulled, to advocate for somebody to take medications that are compounded for a two to five ton animal um, it's alarming because not only are you advocating to take something that the FDA hasn't approved for human consumption, it is not used to work for the organism that you're telling people it should be used for. So that's mal medical malpractice right there on a grand scheme. Um, you're telling them to OD on the drug. That's right. And potential immunocompromised people that take that drug will quite honestly do nothing but sit in the bathroom all day, puking and doing other bodily functions all day, and not being able to eat, not being able to take their medications, their other medications that are life-saving to them, um, because they're doing nothing but vomiting and excreting things. That's right. So it's, at the very least, it's medical malpractice. At the very highest, it's gross negligence. And Spotify should do the right thing and pull every episode that features misinformation like that, not just the ones that are detestable to a few. That's right. It's very interesting that... Um out of the 70 uh, videos pulled, they're saying 24 of them uh, had instances where he explicitly used the N-word and others um, had instances where he used racially charged uh, language, such as when he was going to see Planet of the Apes and he made the comment that walking in the neighborhood he was in um, that it was like being in Africa that he felt he was in a real life Planet of the Apes which is very very disrespectful I'm sorry what, what uh, I love that Freedom 82nd is trying to uh, is trying to defend Rogan uh, what if several different people take ivermectin and they got over COVID immediately? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the India study because that's where you get that information. And in India, the majority of people there have some form of parasitic infections that they live with on a daily basis without usually much of any problem. <laughs> but interestingly enough, COVID tends to, uh, for those that have the parasitic infections, tends to weaken them further and cause them to uh, end up dying from it. So if they take the ivermectin for humans 
and it kills the parasite, their immune system is strengthened enough that they can then fight off COVID a little better and survive. The writers of that research study in India have even come out and said that over and over and over again, but people just absolutely refuse to accept that because it doesn't fit their trash narrative that you should run out and buy horse medications to take to get over a pandemic rather than uh, listening to, I don't know, medical professionals. And, so, and just to throw, that, throw this out there, the human version of ivermectin is a 0.25% aqueous solution. The one that's given to horses is a 2.5% aqueous solution. It's vastly so different. you're getting almost a hundred times, well actually you are getting a hundred times more medication in the horse version than you are in the human version. And last I checked, America didn't have a problem with hookworm and pinworm in humans. Yep. So why are we suggesting that a medication that's primarily for hookworm and pinworm be used for people that have no hookworm or pinworm but are just suffering from a viral infection is baffling. So I want to move on because I'm not going to spend all of my day catering to conservative uh, landmine questions that have no basis in reality or scientific fact. Um, instead, I will repeat once again that it behooves us to believe the medical professionals who are tasked with helping save our lives um, and not Joe Rogan who is um, just a, um, well, rotten guy. Um, I think it's, I will say this before we move on, I think it's very funny that as soon as people get COVID, the first thing they want to do is run to the doctor and uh, get the doctor to help them. Oh, by all means, help, help me, um, help me, doctor. But oh, uh, I don't believe anything you say prior to that. Yeah, so I have no reason to believe you, Freedom Eighty Second. None whatsoever, because you fought so adamantly um, for your point of view earlier. So anyway. Among some of the missing shows that Spotify pulled off of the air in the middle of the night were his interviews with Proud Boy founder Gavin McInnes, who is currently um, in federal custody awaiting trial for uh, sedition in his role in the insurrection of January 6th, Michael Malice, Alex Jones, who is also awaiting trial, Milo... Yiannopoulos. We won't even go there. Hey, uh, Dr. Fahad. Um, Rich Voss and Little Esther and Bulletproof founder Dave Asprey uh, have all been some of the interviews that he removed. they removed off of the air. Um... It is interesting, Neil Young isn't the only singer who's come out against Rogan and asked their music be removed. Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, uh, India Ari, 
Mary Trump and writer um, Bryn, Bryn Brown are among those who have pulled their work off the platform. Um, uh, so there's a lot of different uh, um, things behind the whole uh, Joe Rogan controversy. Um, not just his anti-vaxxer stance, but his level of racism and bigotry and hatred towards others um, is really unbelievable. And the fact that um, up until today, Rogan has not apologized for any of it, and he eked out an apology today for his use of the N-word, and that alone, um, nothing else. Um, it's just unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Um, okay, so... Um, Let's go ahead and, and play Freedom 82's, uh, 80 seconds, uh, thing, uh, since the trolls are in here trying to dox me again. Um, let's play your game. So, I have diabetes, Freedom. So, if my neighbor has diabetes, and they get very sick, and they chop off their leg because of gangrene, and their diabetes suddenly gets better, should I go out and chop my leg off to fix my diabetes? Or better yet, if my doctor drink, if my uh, neighbor drinks antifreeze and doesn't have any problems from antifreeze and it cures his common cold, it's kind of crazy, is it okay for me to go out and drink antifreeze? Because it shouldn't hurt me either. You're playing a logical fallacy game. What about-ism? And I don't like playing games like that with people's lives. I know you and your sister, who's a doctor, may love to play games like that with people's lives. I don't. Um... So, that is some of what I want to talk about today, is the whole Joe Rogan thing. Um, so, I was very disappointed to see as well that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson came out in support of um, Joe Rogan. But then I was very heartened to see that he um, pulled his support after he found out about the all the times Joe Rogan had used the N-word and various other um, racially charged phrases in his show. Um, so for Spotify, if you're listening, this is how you do it. You get rid of the offending person who's dragging down your sales 
and damaging your reputation um, and then you don't have to worry about it uh, you'll have people come back you'll have people use the platform um, but unfortunately they have chosen to stick by Joe Rogan and continue to allow him to push racism and bigotry and anti-vaxxer notions that could get people killed um, and I don't understand that. I don't understand that propensity for allowing such behavior. Um, and why Spotify seems to really want to. As Luna joins us, uh, did you have anything you wanted to add about Joe Rogan? Um, he's about as significant as the firehouse that just ran through me. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of bad and yes we wanted to mention also as we transition uh, that um, February is Black History Month um, you know it's kind of sad that we uh, only dedicate one month to remembering people of color who have made a significant impact on the world around us um but unfortunately we do um, and I think that we ought to highlight a few of these uh, people who have uh, made a significant amount of history in our world um, you know we're familiar with people like Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King Jr um, uh, but we're not so much on some of the others. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman, yes, Harriet Tubman. I was going to say, we have, a, we have a big problem of remembering all of the people of color who have passed. We, don't, we still don't do a whole lot of bringing to light all the people of color today who make great advancements. True. We only remember them when they've very true so I want to highlight a few people some of these have passed I'm hoping to highlight a few that haven't but uh, Charlie Chisholm um, lived from 1924 to 2005 and um, she was one of the first black women elected to Congress she represented New York's 12th district uh, from 1969 to 1983, and in 1972, she became the first woman to run for the Democratic Party's na uh, presidential nomination. Her ca campaign slogan was Unbought and Unbossed, um, which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, Bernard Rustin, from 1912 to 1987. Um, Rustin organized and strategized in the shadows. He was a gay man who had um, some ties to communism. He was considered too much of a liability to be on the front lines of the movement, but King kept him on behind the scenes to help uh, tirelessly fight for better jobs and better wages for people of color. 
Claudette Colvin, who is still alive, was born in 1939. She was a brave 15-year-old girl in Montgomery, Alabama in 1955 who chose not to sit in the back of the bus. That was before Rosa Parks. Touting her constitutional right to remain seated near the middle of the vehicle, Colvin challenged the driver and was subsequently arrested. She was the first woman to be detained for her resistance. Her story is not as well known, of course, as Parks. So, Annie Lee Cooper, 1910 to 2010, yes, 100 years. The Selma, Alabama native played a crucial part in the 1965 Selma Voting Rights Movement. But it wasn't until Oprah played her in the 2014 Oscar-nominated film Selma that people took notice of Cooper's activism. She is lauded, this is what I love, she is lauded for punching Alabama Sheriff Jim Clark in the face. Bam! But she really deserves to be celebrated for fighting to restore and protect voting rights. Dorothy Height. Held as the godmother of the women's movement, Height used her background in education and social work to advance women's rights. She was the leader of the Young Women's Christian Association, the YWCA, and president of the Natural, National Con Council of Negro Women, the NCNW, for more than 40 years. She was among the few women present at the 1963 March on Washington, where Dr. King delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. Jesse Owens, 1913 to 1980. Owens is very interesting. Uh, he was a track and field athlete who set a world record for the long jump at the 1936 World Olympics in Berlin and went unrivaled for nearly 25 years. He won four gold medals at the Olympics that year in the 100 and 200 meter dash, along with the 100 meter relay and other events off the track. In 1976, Owen received the Presidential Medal of Freedom and was posthumously awarded the Congressional Gold Medal in 1990. Betsy Coleman, Bessie Coleman, 1892 to 1926. Despite being the first licensed black pilot in the world, Coleman wasn't recognized as a pioneer in aviation until after her death. Though history has favored Amelia Earhart or the Wright brothers, Coleman, who went to flight school in France in 1919, paved the way for a new generation of diverse flyers like the Tuskegee Airmen, Blackbirds, and Flying Hobbs. Or Flying Hobos, I'm sorry. Very interesting. Robert Abbott, 1870 to 1940. Without Abbott's creative vision, many of the black publications of today, such as Ebony, Essence, Black Enterprise, and Upscale, wouldn't exist. In 1905, Abbott founded the Chicago Defender weekly newspaper. The paper originally started out as a four-page pamphlet, increasing its circulation with every edition. Abbott and his newspaper played an integral part in encouraging African Americans to migrate from the South for better economic um, Ventures. Thank you, James. Ethel Waters, 1896 to 1977. 
Waters first entered the entertainment business in the 1920s as a blues singer, but she made history for her work in television. In addition to becoming the first African-American to star in her own TV show in 1939, The Ethel Waters Show, she was nominated for her first Emmy in 1962. Gwendolyn Brooks, 1917-2000. to 2000. Today, Brooks is considered one of the most revered poets of the 20th century. She was the first black author to win the Pulitzer Prize in 1950 for Annie Allen, and she served as a poetry consultant to the Library of Congress, becoming the first black woman to hold that position. She was also the Poet Laureate of the state of Illinois, and many of her works reflected the political and social landscape of the 1960s, including the Civil Rights Movement and Economic Climate. Alice Coachman, 1923-2014. Growing up in Albany, Georgia, or as they say it down there, Albany, the soon-to-be track star got an early start running on dirt roads and jumping over makeshift hurdles. She became the first African-American from any country to win the Olympic gold medal at the 1948 Summer Olympics in London. She set the record for the high jump at the Games, leaping to 5 feet 6 and 1 eighth inches. Throughout her athletic career, she won 34 national titles, 10 of which were in the high jump. She was officially inducted into the National Track and Field Hall of Fame in 1975 and the U.S. Olympic Hall of Fame in 2004. Gordon Parks, 1912 to 2006. Parks was the first African American on the staff of Life magazine, and later he would be responsible for some of the most beautiful imagery in the pages of Vogue. He was also the first black director of a major film, Shaft, helping to shape the black exploitation era of the 1970s. Parks famously told Life in 1999, quote, I saw that the camera could be a weapon against poverty, against racism, against all sorts of social wrongs. I knew at that point I had to have a camera, end quote. Thank you, James. Wow. Jane Bolin, a pioneer in law from 1908 to 2007. I'm sorry. A pioneer in law, Jane Bolin, was the first black woman to attend Yale Law School in 1931. In 1939, she became the first black female judge in the United States, where she served for 10 years. One of her significant contributions throughout her career was working with private employers to hire people based on their skill as opposed to discriminating against them because of their race. She also served on the boards of the NAACP, Child Welfare League of America, and Neighborhood Children's Center. Marie P. Williams, 1866-1932 Thanks to the early accomplishments of Williams as the first black woman to produce, write, and act in her own movie, in 1923, The Flames of Wrath, we have female directors and producers like Oprah, Ava Tuvernay, um, Beyond Film, the former Kansas City teacher was also an activist 
and detailed her leadership skills in a book she authored, My Work and Public Sentiment, in 1916. Wow, James. I'm touched. Thank you. Marsha P. Johnson, 1945-1992. to Before the Netflix documentary brought Johnson's life, her story to life, with the documentary The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson by David France, many people were unfamiliar of the influential role she had on drag and queer culture. Johnson, a black trans woman and activist, was at the forefront of the LGBTQ movement. In addition to being a co-founder of STAR, an organization that housed homeless queer youth, Johnson also fought for equality through the Gay Liberation Front. There you go. It's also rumored that um, Johnson was at Stonewall, I'm told. She was rumored to be the first person to throw the first brick. Yeah. Minnie Ripperton, 1947 to 79. Mariah Carey is heralded for her whistle register, which is the highest human voice is capable of reaching. But Ripperton perfected the singing technique years before and was best known for her five-octave vocal range. The whistling can be heard on her biggest hit to date, Lovin' You. The infectious ballad was originally created as an ode to her daughter, Maya Rudolph, of Bridemaids and Saturday Night Live fame. However, before she became a household name, she died in 1979 at the age of 31 from breast cancer. Ruby Bridges, who is still alive, 1954 to present, Bridges probably had no idea the bold acts she committed in the 1960s would set off a chain reaction leading to the integration of schools in the South. She was just six years old when she became the first African-American student to attend William Franz Elementary in Louisiana at the height of desegregation. She is now the chair of the Ruby Bridges Foundation, which was formed in 1999 to promote the values of tolerance, respect, and appreciation for all differences. May Jemison, 1956. May Jemison wasn't just the first African-American woman who orbited into space aboard Shuttle Endeavor. She also is a physician, teacher, and Peace Corps volunteer and president of a tech company, the Jemison Group. She continues to work towards the advancement of young women of color, getting more involved in technology, engineering, and math careers. Marian Anderson. 1897 to 1993. Though she is considered one of the greatest uh, singers in the world, Anderson was often denied the opportunity to show off her new unique vocal range because of her race. However, things started to change in 1957 when she went on a 12-nation tour sponsored by the Department of State and the American National Theater and Academy. She documented the experience in her autobiography, My Lord, What a Morning. In 1963, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Her last major accomplishment before her death was receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Grammys in 1991. Rose Marie McCoy, 1922-2015 McCoy's name may not be instantly recognizable, but she wrote and produced some of the biggest pop songs in the 1950s. In an industry dominated... By white males, McCoy was able to make her mark through her pen, even if she couldn't through her own voice. Her songs, After All and Gabin Blues, never quite took off on the charts, 
but she was courted by music labels to write for other artists, including hit singles for Big Maybelline, Elvis Presley, and Big Joe Turner. So now when you hear Presley's Trying to Get You, you'll remember the name of the African-American woman who wrote it, Rose Marie McCoy. Phyllis Wheatley, 1754 to 1784. Yes, that's right, 30 years. The West African-born poet spent most of her life enslaved working for John Wheatley and his wife as a servant in the mid-1700s. Despite having never received a formal education, Wheatley became the first African-American and third woman to publish a book of poems entitled Poems on Various Subjects. However, she died before securing a publisher for her second volume of poetry and letters. You can see a monument erected to her at the Boston Women's Memorial. Alvin Alley, 1931-1989. Alley was an acclaimed dancer and choreographer, choreographer who earned a global recognition for his impact on modern dance. After honing his technique at the Lester Horton Dance Theater and acting as its director until 1954, until its disbandment in 1954, Ale wished to choreograph his own ballets, ballets and works that differed from the traditional pieces of the time. This inspired him to start the Alvin Ale American Dance Theater in 1958, a multiracial trope that provoked provided a platform for talented black dancers and travel around the world. His most popular pieces, Revelations, is an ode to Southern Black Church. Uh, Alley died of an AIDS-related illness at 58, but the company still exists in New York City. Ella Baker, 1903-1986. Baker was an essential activist during the Civil Rights Movement. She was a field secretary and branch director of the NAACP, and was also and also co-founded an organization that raised money to fight Jim Crow laws. Additionally, Baker was a key organizer for Martin Luther King's Southern Christian Leadership Conference. But what was perhaps her biggest contribution to the movement was the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, which prioritized nonviolent protest, assisted in organizing the 1961 Freedom Rides, and aided in registering black voters. The Ella Baker Center for Human Rights exists today to carry on her legacy. Benjamin O. Davis Sr., 1880-1970 Benjamin O. Davis Sr. was the first black general in the U.S. military. He served for 50 years as a temporary first lieutenant in an all-black unit during the Spanish-American War. Throughout his service, Davis Sr. was a professor of military science at Tuskegee and Wilberforce University a commander of the 369th Regiment, the New York National Guard, and special assistant to the Secretary of the Army. When he retired in 1948, President Harry Truman oversaw the public ceremony. Davis Sr. is buried at Arlington National Cemetery. Thank you, James. Oh, my God. Henrietta Lacks, 1920-1951. After being diagnosed with cervical cancer at the John Hopkins Hospital in 1951, a sample of Lack's cancer cells were taken without her consent by a researcher. And though she succumbed to the disease at the age of 31, that same year her cells would go on to advance medical research for years to come. 
as they have the unique ability to double every 20 to 24 hours. They have been used to test the effects of radiation and poisons, to study the human genome, to learn more about how viruses work, and played a crucial role in the development of the polio vaccine, John Hopkins said. In 2017, Oprah starred in and executively produced HBO's The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, adapted from the book by Rebecca Schlute. Dr. Rebecca, Rebecca Lee Crumpler, 1831-1895. Rebecca Lee Crumpler was the first black female doctor in the United States. After attending the prestigious Massachusetts private school, West Newton English and Classical School, she worked as a nurse for eight years until applying to medical school in 1860 at the New England Female Medical College. She was accepted and would go on to graduate four years later. Though little is known of her career, PBS reported that she worked as a physician for the Freedmen's Bureau for the state of Virginia. She later practiced in Boston's predominantly black neighborhood at the time, Beacon Hill, and published a book of medical discourses in two parts. Isn't that amazing? There are 26 little-known black history heroes that we have, uh, many of you probably have never heard of. I don't think her family ever received compensation for her um, cancer cells. So that is a little bit as we start off our March in Black History Month. We're going to bring you more on Black History throughout the month of February on our podcast. So I hope that you will join us for that. And if we don't have anything else, then I think we'll wrap up the podcast for tonight. So thank you for joining us. You can always check us out on facebook.com forward slash expanding your faith. Um, or anchor.fm expanding dash your dash faith or your favorite podcast um, app uh, for iPhone or uh, for Android. Until next week, um, we hope that you will keep shining bright and join us once again when we attempt to expand your faith. God bless.